Hello and welcome to Crack Encrypteds and Curios. This is Matt, once again, joined by Angel. Now, before we dive into our topic for this episode, the Kentucky Meat Shower of 1876, and my God, what the hell have we gotten into this time? Because that sounds like one hell of a topic. We have one small thing to do. That small thing I speak of is to simply just be better people to shed ourselves the multiple layers of idiot slob skin we have and metamorphize into better human beings. Just that small thing. So let's get right to it, Angel. We have for each other three goals for this episode to help guide us in our never-ending pursuit of betterment. What is your first goal for me? Well, Matt, we are unnecessarily mean sometimes. When rank, oh. no, <laughs> when ranking our cryptids or events, mm-hmm. and so when we get to the the rubric of power this time around for your lowest rating, I want you to explain to our curiosities why you gave it that rating, but then you're gonna convince me, our curiosities and yourself, why you decided to bump it up one more point and then do so. I have to, <laughs> I have to artificially inflate my score. Yep, <laughs> and explain why. You're, you're playing with the rubric. That is outrageous. I don't know how else to say this. Sometimes you're you're just really creepy. <laughs> and today we are going to fix that. You, you have gotten this bad habit of texting me really bizarre things accompanied by weird actions that are flagged with asterisks, meaning you're acting out that specific phrase. For instance, after we... <laughs> For instance, after we recorded last, you sent me a text that said, Yo, dog, that for me really hyped up. First, I don't know what the hell that even means. And then you put an asterisk, howls at the moon and pants heavily like a big hairy dog. I replied, no, man, stop the creepy asterisk. And you replied an asterisk, holds down head like dog about to be hit by newspaper. So I guess I just don't text you those things. Got it. <laughs> No. And then you followed it up in more creepy asterisks, licks your hand and nuzzles you. And then, and then you texted me, I'll be a good doggo. So yeah, no more creepy asterisks, man. In this episode, to show you how creepy that actually is, you have to say out loud a creepy asterisk saying or phrase to hopefully show you how bad it really is. Now, when I, when you say say out loud... Let's say if I, like the example you use, howling at the moon. Am I going to say howling at the moon or am I going to actually howl at the moon? You're actually going to howl <laughs> at the moon. <laughs> okay. My dreams come true. <laughs> My nightmare come true. <laughs> so how about your second goal? Well, <laughs> so for the second goal, it's quite often you and I mirror each other. So your second goal for me will also apply to you. That's what. That's how we will better ourselves. So what I say next, I also have to better myself with. Yes. It's uh, it's apropos in a way. So you know how I said in the last episode how men just want a compliment every once in a while. Well, mm-hmm. you are absolutely amazing at riddles. I'm absolutely horrible at them. 
and, and I need you to help me get better. Somewhere in this episode, I need you to work into the show both this riddle and its answer. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? I guess you're and doing I don't the know it, so this is gonna be hard. <laughs> we can work together figuring it out. <laughs> I believe in well-rounded individuals, especially in our chosen profession, and we should be able to do all the things. So, for you, Matt, you get to provide our closing toodles tag. You get to decide whatever it is you want to say to our curiosities as our goodbye message. <sighs> I don't think I've ever been able to do that. Nope. I'm, <laughs> I'm not prepared. <laughs> Besides the hella creepy asterisk thing that you do, you are a man who exudes inspiration. You have a wit and, and way with words that I, I envy. So I'd like you to take a moment somewhere in this episode and inspire our curiosities in only a way you know how. Be it an inspirational story or anecdote or speech that you may know that is not the president's speech from Independence Day, or just some sort of inspirational saying. Let the inspiration juices flow from your mouth into our listeners' ears. Oh, man, this is the worst one. <laughs> oh, God. I'll tell you right now, I think I'm going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one's hard. Now, we are, of course... Observing Nat, the goal non-aggression treaty, so we can we can ease ourselves into these goals and not be riddled with anxiety to adhere to them instantly. But with that said, are you ready? Ready? I'm more than ready. I'm prepared to unleash a swarm of robotic unicorns upon the world and usher in a new era of rainbow-filled chaos and destruction. So yeah, I'm ready. Where'd you get that from? The AI gave it to me. (laughs) Today, we find ourselves looking at a strange event in history. An an event that is relatively close to your birthday, Angel. If you can believe it, we are looking at the Kentucky Meat Shower of March 3rd, 1876. The day that meat rained from the sky. Right off the bat, Angel, we need a frame of reference. I'm out here talking about meat showers in 1876, and I'm sure someone's out there is like, this makes no sense. I have no idea when 1876 was or what was going on back then. Luckily for everyone, this is Cracking Cryptids and Curios, and we are here to help give reference to this bygone era. Amazingly. Four days after meat falling from the sky, Alexander Graham Bell is granted a patent for the telephone, and three days after that, a mere seven days total after meat falls from the sky and splatters into the ground in Kentucky, Bell makes his first successful bi-directional telephone call. Presumably, he did this because he wanted to tell Watson about a goddamn meat shower coming from the sky and the impending apocalypse. In an effort to provide an even more reference to what society was like during that time of the Kentucky meat shower, please, Angel, tell myself and our listeners what your favorite event in the year 1876 was besides the Kentucky meat shower. Please invite us to this, this talk corner and grace us 
with this event. Lovely 1876. That was... As you may know, an election year in the United States, Rutherford B. Hayes winning the presidential yeah. seat. Good old Ruffy. <laughs> November, making him the 19th president. That's 19 presidents in 100 years. Yep, that's right. The U.S. was 100 years old, meaning on July 4th, 1876, the U.S. turned 100. The people definitely celebrated it with what is called the Centennial Exposition, or as we cool kids call it. The Hundy Expo. <laughs> but, but the best event to have occurred in 1876 was, well, we have to start a few years prior. James Butler Hickok, a.k.a. Wild Bill, a folk legend, was born on May 27, 1837. When you think of the Wild West and the Frontiersmen, this is the guy you picture. He's done it all. Soldier, scout, lawman, cattle rustler, gunslinger, gambler, showman, stagecoach driver, and actor. And involved, and he was involved in some pretty uh, famous gunfights as well. At a time where lawlessness and vigilante activity was normal, he fit right in. Heading west when he was 18, uh, presumably running from the law, I guess, is what the entry said. <laughs> He allegedly shot and killed David McCandless of the McCandless Gang. Although the name the McCandless Gang is a little bit iffy. It's, that's a whole other thing. You need to look that up. Was that's it just one guy? <laughs> one man gang? Well, I think I think the act of killing him started up uh his brother, uh McCandless's brother and some other guys started they started a whole thing. It was it was it's crazy, but I'm just, uh, you know, short, uh, sweetening up, uh, shortening the story, making it to the point there. So he he's killed this dude. I bring this up because typically when we think of the Wild West, we imagine people are just killing each other left and right with no consequence. But in fact, Hickok and two other guys were tried for the murder and acquitted. In fact, mm. Hickok tried to uh, give McCandless's widow $35 in restitution. All the money he had at the time. Oh, and I'll give her $35. <laughs> That's all he had. <laughs> He's like, he said, he apologized to the widow. He was like, I'm sorry to, for killing your husband. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I mentioned before, he was involved in a few gunfights, but I want to talk about August 1st, 1st, 1876, the year that we're supposed to be enjoying mm -hmm. this event. That's also the day he died. Ooh. Or rather, the day he was killed. In none other than Deadwood, Dakota Territory. What a name, Deadwood. So, well, on the day prior, he was gambling, you know, playing poker, as you do, in a saloon, when a drunken man Jack, named Jack McCall sits down to play, and he loses pretty badly. And Hickok is such a nice dude, he tells him to basically quit playing until he could cover his losses, and even offered him money for brekkies. That's what I like to call breakfast. And the, and most of Australia, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, McCall takes the money begrudgingly. Apparently, uh, some people said that he was insulted by this act, actually. So Hickok likes to sit with his back to the wall and facing the entrance of the saloon. But the next day, that seat wasn't available. So he had asked Charles Rich twice if he'd like to switch seats. But Rich was like, no, sir, I ain't dying today. And I'd like to point out that I don't know why we know this man's name is Charles Rich. 
it doesn't really matter what his name was, so I don't know why this is documented, but it's documented. Charles Rich did not switch seats with this man. Because he was in on it. Yeah, maybe. So, you know, he uh, um, Hickok, or Wild Bill, is sitting with his back to the door, so he can't see people coming in. And McCall enters with a revolver in his hand and points it point black at the back of uh, Wild Bill's head and yells, damn you, take that, and shoots him. Shoots him dead, cold in cold blood. It just so happens that Wild Bill's hand was a pair of black aces and eights. And from that day forward, it's known as a dead man's hand. If you, any poker players out there, actually, supposedly this was the event that started the name. It was said that Wild Bill had uh, actually told his friends prior to this that he he felt like he was going to die at Deadwood. Prophetic. Yeah. Now, remember this lawless time period that still has trials? So, McCall was tried for this before an informal minors jury, which is an ad hoc local... An ad hoc local group of miners and businessmen in which he claimed to be avenging his brother's death, which may have been true because a Lou McCall was killed by an unknown lawman. But it's not known if Lou McCall was related to to this other McCall. I already forgot his first name. But again, the, the entry doesn't mention this, but it's I think it's important to note that we don't even know who the lawman was. So. Why do we assume that it was Wild Bill? Anyway, uh, my favorite is that this hearing acquitted McCall and the Black, Hill, the Black Hills pioneer wrote, should it ever be our misfortune to kill a man, we would simply ask that our trial may take place in some of the mining camps of these hills. <laughs> but karma is a funny thing because McCall was heard bragging about killing Wild Bill. And he was rearrested. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and and, and was, this wasn't considered double jeopardy because the because this is the reasoning because the first trial was had an irregular jury and There's a bunch of minors <laughs> <laughs> and because Deadwood was at the time an in unorganized Indian country, so mm-hmm. this time he was found guilty and he was sentenced to death by hanging. Ooh. And it was said that one, they had to move, uh, they had to move the graves for some reason. So when his was moved, his body was exhumed. They found his body buried with the noose and all. <laughs> like, ah, we don't need this. We're not going to use it again. <laughs> you can keep it. And uh, that's all I have to say about that time period. Wow, so much we found out about 1876. Clearly, we have a, a frame of reference for 1876. This is now undeniable. But I now pose this to you. We we are here to discuss the Kentucky meat shower of 1876. Knowing what we do know now about 1876, this is is, is this a particularly reasonable time to have a meat shower? Is there ever a time where you say, yeah, this makes sense that, that there was a meat shower in that year? Is there ever a good time for a meat shower? I think if there is a good time for a meat shower, I think it would be around this time period because... Of, of my uh, mention of lawlessness, you know, mm-hmm. people are shooting guns all over the place. Who knows who's getting killed and, and where? So who knows the methods of, of killing yeah. either? You, you just get acquitted by the miners uh, <laughs> jury and then meat falls from the sky and then you all eat it and you have a festival. 
Celebrated every three years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Meat showers, Angel. Meat from the sky. Meat rained upon the earth. This is the event. I'm nearly at a loss for words because of the absurdity of that statement. However, author Colin Dickey is known to never be at a loss for words, hence his ability to be an author. In his 2020 book, The Unidentified Mythical Monsters, Alien Encounters, and Our Obsession with the Unexplained, he provides us these words to allow our minds to even comprehend what's going on. He writes, Bath County, Kentucky, is what you might call the borderlands, literally on the border of West Virginia. It's a borderland in a more abstract sense. It's neither here nor there, a place of in-betweenness. But once, for a brief moment, Olympia Spring had been a someplace, a place deserving of national attention and scrutiny, because it was here, on a bright spring day, more than a hundred years ago, that the skies rained meat. It's neither here nor there, a place of in-betweenness, is Bath County, Kentucky, Inside the latent space we discussed in the Loeb episode. It's funny you say this because now I may reveal, I may end up revealing some of the, how the sausage is being made right now. But as I was looking over the script prior to the start of the recording and I saw this part before I saw your question, I thought to myself, this sounds like a latent space. (laughs) It's neither here nor there. Where is it? (laughs) In... In a matter of words, he's basically basically saying Bath County is in the middle of goddamn nowhere. But this is an important piece of information. Location for a story can be quite important. Take, for instance, the Hopscotch Gobbos, Angel. Your buds, the Hopkinsville Goblins. Presumably, if that story had taken place in a more populated area, there would be more witnesses to say that it was indeed a rabid pack of escaped carnival monkeys roaming the hillsides. (laughs) Because this takes place in a a location so far off the beaten path, so to say, is it more believable that something like meat showering upon the earth could happen here? Or is it something that is more prone to be exaggerated to, as uh, Colin Dickey wrote, garner national attention? Yeah, I don't think it's that it's more prone or for exaggeration or more believable. I think it's because it's it's, it's, it's like a... A remote place i think it allows the ability to to exaggerate because there is no no one else to kind of be like hey that's that's not true it's in nature similar to the idea of how eyewitnesses of these crazy events in the past have had their job attached to their statements like somehow a businessman is more intrinsically reliable than just some dude who makes tires or something like that so please I need your assistance in this. I need you to tell me the top three most believable places besides Bath County, Kentucky, where someone could say meat rained from the heavens and you'd you'd believe it. Okay, number three, I'll start with uh, Fayette County, West Virginia, whose motto is Mountain of Truth. (laughs) Well, yeah, the Mountain of Truth, you'd have to believe it. (laughs) Yeah. And they're closer to the sky. So the meat has less <laughs> less distance to fall. <laughs> yep. Um, my number two would be any courthouse, I guess. <laughs> Is the mining the minor jury there? <laughs> if I mean, you're not supposed to lie, so come oh, on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Swear, swear you gotta swear on the Bible. 
And um, my number one is uh, Swallow Falls. That's where Flint Lockwood lives. And if you don't know who Flint Lockwood is, maybe you need to watch Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. <laughs> There's a lot of meat falling in that movie. <laughs> and the whole premise. I thought maybe you'd include like Hell, Michigan or something like that. I... <laughs> I was thinking that at first. I'm like, should I pick these? Like, I was gonna, th- I was going with like Christmas mm. in, in in Florida. Christmas, uh, there's a Christmas some, somewhere else too. But I was like, I'm, I want to go off the beaten path, so to speak. I want, I want to go to, I want to go to Bath County myself. Nah, mm, eh. I don't. <laughs> you ever, you ever look at your food and think, huh? I, I wonder where this came from. No more wondering, Angel. We are going to the source. We are going to find the source of the meat shower. We are doing that with the help of some poor, uncredited correspondent who wrote up the report for the New York Herald's March 21st, 1876 edition titled The Carnal Rain. We see from firsthand accounts in that article what the heck was going on in this damn town, area, or county that was neither here nor there. But first, Carnal Rain. This isn't 1876 anymore. I need a more up-to-date title for an article about meat raining down upon people. What would you title the article? Okay, I think I think it would go something a little like this. You won't believe what fell from the sky in this small Kentucky town. The truth will shock you. It's a clickbait. <laughs> it's clickbait. <laughs> I'm clicking it. It's going to give my computer at least one virus and (laughs) some sort of Trojan file. (laughs) Oh, no. But that's that's very on point for today. (laughs) And the image shows like meat in tinfoil. (laughs) Because why not? The the reporter hits... Oh, no. (laughs) And they're each on their own slide, so you have to go into each individual 13 pages, each with pop-up ads. And then you scroll down, and something comes up that says, "Uh, you've been here for a while. Join our newsletter. (laughs) And then as you click to hit the X, the page loads more, and it moves, and you click a different ad. Uh, I miss those days. God damn. The reporter hits home with what Colin Dickey said about Olympian Springs being neither here nor there. He writes, We drove out the Spencer Pike at the end of which we took a dirt road that was in a first-class bad condition. What what wording there? First-class bad condition. In a tedious route of, of about 12 miles more through the woods brought us to Olympian Springs. He drops this little nugget that Henry Clay used to own Olympian Springs. And if you don't know who Henry Clay is, he was a U.S. senator amongst a billion other things that he did in politics who looked like Lon Chaney as the Phantom in the 1925 silent movie adaption of the Phantom of the Opera. So I thought that was just really neat. (laughs) He was a very odd-looking man. At the time that the reporter went to the area, there were still many of the old barracks that the U.S. Army that had put in place during, Angel, your favorite war, the War of 1812, or the American Revolution, Part 2. So certainly, this was an area that was void of, demel- of development when things had hardly changed in over 50 years. On the way to the, his destination, to the Crouch Farm, where this occurred, the reporter stops at what he refers to as the only habitation along the route between where they started and where they were going. Neither here nor there. This 
was the home, he writes, of a humble cripple who makes baskets for a livelihood. He asked the man named Mr. Tolliver, have you ever seen have you seen any of that flesh that was rained down on Mr. Crouch's farm? Mr. Tolliver responds, yes, sir, I have. It's a mystery to me. <laughs> when asked if, if Mrs. Crouch is deceiving people about this meat shower that occurred, Mr. Tolliver responded, oh, no, sir, she is too good of a woman to be guilt of anything of that kind. <laughs> so first off, Angel, how believable is Mr. Tolliver a mere basket maker? Uh, I would say he's uh, fairly believable because as a basket maker, you're sitting around and you're observing things because, you know, you're doing everything. Um, it's it's all second nature. You don't have to think about making the baskets. You could just you're just weaving and looking around. So you're seeing off in the distance. Yeah, I'm going to see some meat meat falling from the sky. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the crouch farm. So, yeah. It's all true. It's all true. And not only that, but it's not just his profession of uh, basket maker, but I think the humble cripple part adds a... Uh, what is that? <laughs> it adds an air uh, of credibility. <laughs> He's humble. Humble man. <laughs> uh, as the reporter states, Mr. Tolliver owns the only other house out there. Do you think he would really call out his neighbor to this reporter that just shows up? And say, Mrs. Crouch is full of shit and I hope she chokes and dies on that meat. <laughs> I guess only if he was a crotchety old man. <laughs> like yeah. the Hatfields and McCoys going down here. <laughs> I hate those crouches. Yeah. I'm humble. <laughs> I mean, if he's saying that he, he... Have you seen the flesh that rained down? He says yes, but then he says, well, do you think the lady's lying? He... I feel like he wouldn't go, well, no, she's full of shit. I've seen the flesh falling from the sky, but no, she's lying. I've seen it, and she's she's bag of bricks over there. Can't even put her in one of my baskets. Eventually, the reporter makes it to the Crouch farm and promptly asks to speak to Mr. Crouch, only to find out that he isn't there. So then he settles to speaking with Mrs. Crouch. So, yikes. This is the gist of their conversation. Mrs. Crouch estimates the quantity of flesh that fell was about half a bushel. So, for those not up to speed on their size of bushels, a bushel is four U.S. pecks. So, we're talking about two pecks of meat here. If that's not clear, then two pecks are equivalent to 16 quarts. If that still doesn't get the point across and just doesn't make sense, then that's about the weight of a large adult porcupine. If you don't normally gauge weight... By the size of porcupines, and I don't know what else to tell you here. I'm out of I'm out of examples, out of weight measurements. As the meat rained down upon her, she became frightened and ran inside. While she herself never smelt it or looked closely at it, she was told by her husband that the meat was stained with what appeared to be blood, and none of the meat showed any signs of recent life. Mrs. Crouch states the meat, which she isn't positive if it rained from the clouds, but knows for certain it came from above her head, that it fell between 11 and 12 o'clock. It laid upon the ground into the afternoon when Mr. Crouch returned home and picked up a great many of pieces. The largest piece was as long as Mrs. Crouch's hand and about half an inch wide. It looked grisly as if it had been torn from the throat of some animal. 
the total area covered was about 100 yards long by 50 yards in width. So prior to that, however, the hogs, chicken, cat, and dog all had begun eating it freely and seemed to like it well, she said. She follows up by saying, I have not noticed anything unusual among them since... Only the dog became very sick the other day and is now very bad, very badly off. But I could not say if it was the meat that made him so, but I never knew him to be this way before. Do you think the meat made the dog sick? Oh, of course I do that poor little dog. Ooh. <laughs> was that your creepy ass trick? You ooped? <laughs> <laughs> I even saw you put your little, your hands up by your mouth and you licked them like your paws were hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, so was the dog sick? Did it make the dog sick? <laughs> I think so, yes. <laughs> Ooh. It wasn't just a random sickness that befell the dog. It was the, the damn sky meat. Pretty sure it was the meat. <laughs> <laughs> no, Angel. I need your feet in the Crouch family's shoes. Let's start with Mrs. Crouch. You're outside at 11 a.m. The skies are clear and the sun is shining. She described it all as that there is a light wind coming from a westerly direction, which I would never know if a wind's coming from a westerly direction. <laughs> For at least two minutes, meat begins falling from the sky. It is the year 1876. What goes through your mind here? It's a sign... It's a sign from God. It's 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 the end times. It's, it's a plague of some sort. How old am I at this point? You're Mrs. Crouch. She's uh, uh, it's not identified. I would guess in her she has a grandson, so forties to fifties at this time period, probably. Oh yeah, no, no. It's definitely uh, some sort of a God <laughs> event is happening, and uh, have to probably bring in the. The drying the clothes from the the clothes line. <laughs> I gotta get the clothes. I don't want yeah, the meat to hit the clothes. Exactly. <laughs> My first thought is she's looking out here. The sun is clear. The, the sky is clear. The sun is shining. A, a light wind from the west. She sees meat falling upon the ground and she thinks to herself, Wow, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? <laughs> That's the first thing. She's she's riddled with with confusion, and and she says two pecks, a bushel. Wow! So then your grandson Alan is standing next to you, Mrs. Crouch. He says to you, "Why, Grandma, it's snowing." What do you say in return to Alan? Alan, go inside. Lock the doors. Don't come out until I tell you to. How does this kid think it's snowing? <laughs> what kind of snow is going on in 1876 that's red and chunky? Maybe he's been told. Maybe this. Hmm. <laughs> maybe he's never seen snow before. <laughs> that he's just under the impression that something coming from the sky and it doesn't look like water, so uh, rain. So it can't. It's got to be snow. Those are some big ass snowflakes. <laughs> what Mrs. Crouch states is a vague idea that my husband and son, who were away, had been torn to pieces and their remains were being brought home to me in a way by the wind flashed through my mind at that moment. She thought it was her family almost. 
I was also impressed with the conviction that it was a miracle of God, she said. It may have been a warning, as coming events are said to cast their shadow before. So, she did take it as almost a, a, a sign of God here. But then, to think that it was your husband and son being flown back to you in the sky in chunks of meat? Good lord! That means she must have been uh, uh, grieving, I guess. <laughs> Already think already thinking they're dead. <laughs> now, take Mrs. Crouch's shoes off and insert your swollen feet into Mr. Crouch's shoes. You arrive from a morning and afternoon away from home where your wife was alone with her grandson named Alan. You return and you see nearly two packs of meat in your yard. Some of it's stuck in the fence rails. What goes through your mind there? So I'm, I'm Mr. Crouch and I see two packs and I, and I think... Two packs. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck This family just riddled with that, that question. It's their, it's their burden to bear. It's their curse. Yeah. That's two packs. <clears throat> so it's always two packs. Possibly an integral part of the story is, is joked about at this point in the article about the family. The reporter writes, Your correspondent then informed Mrs. Crouch that a rumor was circulating in Mount Sterling to the effect that she and her husband had quarreled several times recently about selling the farm, she being in favor of and he opposed to making a sale, and that she had done this flesh trick in order to scare the old man to her way of thinking and thereby accomplish by fright what she could not perform by persuasion. At this revelation, they all they all laughed, and it seemed to, to worry the, the old lady, um, the old lady some, to think that such a mean and unworthy trick should be imputed to her. <clears throat> she says, It is true that I want to sell the place, but I have never quarreled with Mr. Crouch about this matter. He is more anxious to sell than I am. Mr. Crouch was present, and said that he would like to sell out and move to Indiana, where he had a son living and he thought he could live better there and not work half so hard. What is the possibility that this was staged by the Crouch family to get attention for their farmland? Well, it's, I mean, it seems interesting that if it was staged, it's because they want people to know about it and then, and then they re- and find out from them that, oh, we're selling, by the way. But then where did that rumor come from that they were quarreling about it? There's someone like listening outside to their their home and the, neither here nor there. Maybe maybe little Alan left the place and says, uh, Grandma is fighting again because they're, you know, one wants to sell and the other one doesn't. And, and he's thinking, I, I don't I don't want to. I don't want to leave this place. So mm-hmm. he starts making up a lie. Grandma, grandma's fighting. Grandma's fighting again. Well, this is also <laughs> this is also the, just a weird time in, in in history as far as living situations because there's also a, an unrelated person that's living in the house that's a local school teacher. I don't know why she's living specifically here because they seem they're in the middle of nowhere. They're like twelve miles away from the, the nearest location. She that's a long probably, way to go. She, she, you know, got to run from the law in, the, in these lawless <laughs> times. <laughs> and she was the the school teacher. Was indisposed at the time of the meat shower. She was sick, so she didn't see anything going on. How convenient. Mm-hmm. It's 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 probably at, at this point that I think I know what's on 
everyone's mind. Did anyone eat the meat? <laughs> and they sure as hell did. A man by the name of L.C. Frisbee chowed down on it, Angel. Now, we, we often joke about how reports include the occupation of everyone, and indeed, they in- identify Frisbee as a butcher. But the reporter in this one, he goes on a whole other level of, <laughs> of describing the believability of this man. Frisbee, he says, is married and has three children, is 27 years old, and has followed the trade he's now engaged in at Mount Sterling for four years. So normal stuff. Then the reporter goes off the deep end. His personal beauty is somewhat marred by a defect on the left side of his upper lip, sometimes called a hair lip. In other respects, he is well-developed and is as intelligent as the men of his calling usually are. The poor guy is, is getting shit on for having a cleft palate. What the hell is going on here? What is he doing here, Angel? This reporter, I, I feel like he's just trying to um, elevate himself or... Or he's like, I'm around with these hillbillies. <laughs> yeah, these mountain folk. I don't even know if there's mountains there. <laughs> uh, as well developed as and is as intelligent as men of his calling usually are. So, <laughs> is that a good or bad thing for butchers? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what a what a what <laughs> an th- ass. <laughs> he's throwing shade at an entire. Uh, career this, path. This guy, this is what happened. He's he's looking for his big break. He's telling his boss back at Journalism Center, wherever that place is, in the, in the main place, uh, main uh, city of Kentucky. And he's like, I need a big break. And he's like, I can't give you the big stories. We already got our top star, uh, Jonathan Swang, for that. And he's like, Jonathan Swang is not a good writer. He's like, no, no, you're going to have to go to this little town. We're going to investigate this thing we hear about a meat shower. He's like, what? Meat shower? This is the stuff they get, they get me stuck with. So he's all angry. and He's writing all the worst things he could possibly write because he says, I'll show them. Uh, these people with their cleft palates. Uh, barely, barely intelligent butchers. <laughs> Surprised he didn't say it's like saliva coming out of his mouth and like <laughs> drooling all over himself. Can barely hold up his head. Make some sort of like 2010 Carlo Mencia joke. <laughs> oh gosh, those 18 1800s man. So Frisbee was cautioned by others not to eat the meat. I just picture him, people like surrounding him and chanting, don't eat the meat, don't eat the meat. And then other ones like saying, eat the meat. So he, he stated, though, that his constitution would stand as much of of it as a rooster's or cat's. He's the constitution of a cat. While he intended to swallow the meat, he states he changed his mind after chewing a little and spit it out. He could not identify what it was and could not for certain say that the taste resembled either fish, flesh, or fowl. It looked to him like mutton and smelled unlike anything he had ever smelled before. When he handled it, a milky white fluid oozed out of it. What the hell, Angel? Why are people (laughs) eating the meat? (laughs) This, this is a, this is a... A once-in-a-lifetime event. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like this ever happening in in, in any 
um, time after this, meat falling from the sky. I imagine if meat fell from the sky around these parts, I would definitely run into a few people that would be like, hmm, I wonder what it tastes like. <laughs> because I certainly would be wondering the same thing. Well, especially if you got the constitution of a cat, nothing's hurting you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you, we we saw that the dog got sick, but the cat. There's cat no mention okay. of the cat getting sick. Cat, cat didn't puke it up. <laughs> got a high constitution. The general consensus was that it appeared to look like mutton or the meat of an adult sheep, but anyone who tasted it certainly didn't say it tasted like mutton. A man by the name of Joe Jordan popped the meat in his mouth and promptly spat it out. Angel, the meat that he ate that he put in his mouth was uh, had been out a week after it had fallen from the sky. This was weak old sky meat. He squeezed it and a brown mucus came from it. He, he said it smelled offensive and extreme like that of a dead body. And he put it in his mouth. What is wrong with Joe Jordan? <laughs> Did he squeeze it and then put it in his mouth? Or was it the other way around? I, I hope I hope for Joe Jordan it was after he spat it out. Oh, it was a week old. Week old sky meat he, he ate. I mean, I feel like I feel like this is how new foods exist. Uh, you know, some guy must have left some cheese somewhere in a cave mm-hmm. and came back to it, saw it all moldy, and then ate it and said, hey, this tastes pretty good. So like, I, shit, I, that I, looks I, great. It smells like shit, but I'm eating it. <laughs> so I'm sure this is how they do it with meat, too. Like, well, maybe meat can be done, and they're, like, biting, and they're like, nope, nope, meat can't work this way. <laughs> I'm not naturally aging my meat out in the in the field. <laughs> not anymore. Joe, Joe Jordan took that that uh, that leap of faith for us, and it did not pay off for him. So, time to put your feet back in those 1876 Kentuckian shoes. We have to put yourself in their frame of mind. I have to ask you, Angel, I need the top five meats that you would put in your mouth after it sat out for a week. Okay, um, after it sat out for a week. Um, so, my number five... I- kind of want to put this number one now but whatever it's too late now my number five meat that i would put in my mouth after it sat out for a week is i don't know if i'm saying this right but it's hot carl hot it's not not a hot carl it's a hot carl if you don't know what that is that is the uh a greenland shark and it is um, a land shark, a, a, a Greenland shark. Oh, <laughs> you're and just dropping a, this land sharks. <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's an Icelandic national dish in which they they get this shark. Now the Greenland shark is typically very toxic if you eat it fresh because it's full of something and urea, which is basically what's in our pee. So what they do is they they put it in the ground for several months and then they hang it up to dry or do some other thing for even longer. So this is way longer than a week already. And then you can eat the thing. But it smells, apparently it smells really strongly of ammonia. Like you're going to pop in a toxic thing in your mouth anyways. <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> no, <laughs> number four. Any kind of jerky, really. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, see, it makes sense. I guess number three, a properly cured bacon. Because I think if you do it right, I could still eat it raw. After sitting out for a week, <laughs> yeah. maybe. And then in that same vein, uh, number uh, number two, salami. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine. And for my number one, top five meat that I would put in my mouth after it's been sitting out for a week is a McDonald's burger patty. Oh, I think the brown mucus is going to come out of it when you squeeze it. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen this video. It was kind of uh, v- not viral, but it was popular back in the day, like when the internet was still young, where this guy had this had put a burger, a McDonald's burger and fries in a jar and just let and filmed it for like a month or something. And it they didn't change. They looked exactly the same as day one. Ooh. And I think it was like put next to like a a, a burger that's that was just homemade. Mm-hmm. So that one would that one like rotted away and got moldy or whatever. But the McDonald's burger stayed the same. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident that I could eat a week old burger patty and and be safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really thought you'd have hot dogs on that list. <laughs> Frank, 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 you love them. <laughs> Well, I guess so, they fall under the salami kind mm, of sausage thing. Any any phallic-shaped sausage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love me the wieners. <laughs> there are several theories in relation to what occurred. As to what the, the meat was and why it was so hard to identify, there's idea that it was frog meat that somehow fell upon the farm. Maybe some sort of storm raised up the frogs into the sky and they fell upon the ground. But that doesn't mesh too much because it was a clear day with uh, light winds from a westerly direction. One suggestion was that the meat may have fallen from the lunch basket of a passing balloonist. But his his lunch included thirty pounds of meat. What the hell is a is this balloonist doing with this much meat, Angel? What is this a balloonist? Is that like a hot air balloon? <laughs> hot air balloon. Yes. I all I can think of is why don't I see more balloonists around these days? <laughs> with thirty pounds of meat for lunch, <laughs> <laughs> just dropping it. He's got his two meat pe- for everyone. His two pecs up there. <laughs> oh God. But I, thirty pounds. Well, maybe you know those those sacks on the on the hot air balloons that they they so drop he uses to, to weigh them down. Yeah. <laughs> All I got is meat. I don't have sand. Meat. <laughs> that explains it now. He, just, <laughs> he uses meat to weigh down his balloon. It was this is this is what um was the inspiration for the Wizard of Oz. That was the wizard going off to Oz. He got lost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another uh, that the article mentions is that it was a flock of buzzards, which, being too full as their wing as as they winged their flight over the farm, it says they just disgorged themselves, and the result was the shower of flesh. What do you think of that theory? I actually I actually think this is a viable theory. I found an article. It's literally titled "Debunked the the, the Kentucky Meat Storm of 1876." <laughs> Bunch was, of hillbillies <laughs> po- posted in, on May third, uh, May third, 2015, and it mentions how um, the vultures apparently vultures will 
uh, when threatened, will regurgitate mm-hmm. semi-digested meat. So maybe something spooked them, and then, <laughs> and then they, you know, did their thing. The article, I think it words it very colorfully. It says, this meat missile, laden with bacteria, <laughs> <Meat missile. laughs> is the vulture's way of waging biological warfare against its enemies. Vultures also vomit undigested meat when they need to make a quick escape from predators. This bacteria-tainted meat explains why Mm -hmm. Mrs. Crouch's dog became ill after eating it, and the vulture vomit theory also explains the blood-like ooze which landed atop Mrs. Crouch's fence. Yeah. To my understanding, and the only understanding I have about vultures is what I gained at a Renaissance fair when they... The guy was talking about vultures was that their stomachs are like so powerful and they have such strong bacteria in there. That's why they're able to eat almost anything and not have an issue with it. If that thing pukes it up and you eat it, I mean, Joe Jordan <laughs> could have died from this. <laughs> I, I wonder, like, he, he didn't swallow, but he's, he's already had it in his mouth. Like, do you think the bacteria just infested him and he just... <laughs> Now he's full of brown mucus. <laughs> he became a weird thing. <laughs> he becomes some cryptid in the Kentucky hillside. <laughs> he grew spots and ran for the woods. <laughs> <laughs> there goes old Meat Joe. <laughs> I I think that's I think that's the most likely theory, and the fact that it was so prevalent to at this was only two weeks after the incident and some and they're already suggesting that it was buzzards that had disgorged themselves i think that's a, a pretty valid theory of what occurred the article though ends on this like weirdly anti-irish blurb so it says an irishman's attempt to eat some of the meat your correspondent bargained with jimmy welsh a railroad laborer gotta throw in his job a railroad <laughs> laborer to eat a dollar's worth of the meat how do, how do you even value the doll the meat there at a dollar the meat was placed on the table and jimmy was duly informed that his supper was that his supper was ready, it says. He sat down and looked at the meat and said he n- he never ate meat alone, meaning he had to eat something else with it. I then ordered pickles, crackers, and other accompaniments. Jimmy took the meat up on his fork, and after two or three unsuccessful efforts to get it in his mouth, he laid it down. He laid down the meat. I asked him why he hesitated. He said he wanted whiskey to wash it down. The article was... <laughs> the article was ordered and placed before him. He then hesitated and said he was not hungry. I then told him I would give him $3 to gulp it down. He then suddenly remembered that it was it was the season of Lent and backed out on the moral <laughs> principles and proposed to swallow the whiskey at half price. <laughs> he was told to drink heartily, which he did without further ceremony. He said if I would call at some other time, he would... Eight pay fowl, crow, skunk, or anything else to please a fine gentleman like me. <laughs> please him by eating weird shit. I told him <laughs> I would hold him to this agreement, and so Jimmy passed over to the depot, and I took my seat in the train for home. I tried to pay this Irish guy three bucks to eat the meat. Would you eat it for three bucks? Uh, no. Not even back then. <laughs> I mean, if the meat kills me, what is three bucks going to do me any good? And also, this guy seems like a jackass. Like, he's like, I'll hold you to that. Like, really? You're really going to do that? Like, 
Let it be, man. Waiting for his next article. I gotta find weird shit for Jimmy Welsh to eat, and I'm coming back. Fifteen years later, fifty cents. He's gonna gonna come back to Jimmy Welsh. He's like, remember, remember what you told me. We had a blood agreement. (laughs) Is there anything else you wanted to add? I'd just like to add that um, there's a book by Charles Fort called The Book of the Damned, which does mention the Kentucky Kentucky phenomenon. And it goes into in-depth about this the same thing we talked about. But it also brings up a lot of... um, It tries to relate it to a lot of other events that were similar, like one in Lithuania and and, and other places where there was some events described as some kind of something jelly-like falling from the sky or, or jellyfish that were the size of a... Oh, I forget what it, what they were the size of, but it was tiny, like in Bath, England. And there's other, some, some other events. So if, you know, it's just... If you're interested in, in reading something about that, you can look into that book. But it's... it's I, I, I guess uh, Charles Fort seems enamored by the, the jelly-like uh, description because he just kept finding uh, listing different events of things that fell from the sky that happened to be jelly like he's, he's got to find the source of the jelly <laughs> i wonder why why is he so enamored by the jelly who knows but maybe i mean this kind of i feel like i thought i read this somewhere maybe i don't remember but i feel like this maybe inspired the blob or something the movie the blob charles jelly or the <laughs> <laughs> the, the the kentucky meat shower Maybe the I don't know if it's because now it's in my head it's all foggy but I if, I haven't seen the original but the remake that mm-hmm. was made in in the seventies or eighties mm-hmm. I think it was eighties the the blob is is a thing that came from outer space, space yeah. so, but it, it, you know it fell from the sky kind of and it's jelly like you know it's kind of similar idea I guess brown mucus comes from it yeah I mean, <laughs> eats people <laughs> makes you sick or something <laughs> it was just a giant vulture that spewed out the blob in that movie they just never showed it so before we go into the rubric of power i wanted to have some more fun with this meat topic with how absurd it all sounds i wanted to include something dramatic to make it even more memorable and there is nothing more dramatic than a play I know of no plays about this incident, so we decided, said, hey, let's have an AI make a play for us, see if it's up for the task. Well, there are two scripts that will have the, there'll be a, a travesty not to share. The idea behind this was I just prompted the AI to, to give us a script for a, a play about the Kentucky meat shower. And I just prompted it to include a whimsical character for fun to see what it would generate. It gave us the title of our play, Meatfall, the Kentucky Meat Shower of 1876. It's almost like Skyfall. (laughs) So there are a number of characters in this. First, the character that you will be playing, Angel, one of them, his name is Jack, a gunslinger with a heart of gold. (laughs) There is Samantha, a fiery saloon owner. Dr. Edwards, who you'll be playing, a doctor who's seen it all. There is a mystery character that you'll be playing. There is Mayor Phillips, a bumbling politician. Old Man Wilson, a grizzled farmer. And then one more uh, group of people that you'll be playing. But 
you yourself have not seen this script at all, so I wanted to do to uh, experience it as you read it to get the full effect of your... It would be like if you were in the meat shower. You'd just be confused of what was going on. <laughs> Quite. So it gave us like really short acts and scenes. Uh, it's gonna we're gonna plow through this thing here. Act one, scene one. The movie opens with oh, it's a movie. The movie opens <laughs> with Jack riding into town, looking for a place to rest his weary bones. This is me, Jack, dismounting from my horse. Whoa! Is that your creep, creepy asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! It's been a long ride. I could use a drink. Samantha sizing him up. Ooh, you look like trouble, cowboy. But I like trouble. Act one, scene two. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, a shower of meat falls from the sky, causing chaos in the town. Dr. Edwards, examining the meat. I've seen a lot of strange things in my time, but this takes the cake. (laughs) Mayor Phillips, in a panic. The bumbling politician. <laughs> we must do something. This is a disaster for the town. A- act two, scene one. For <laughs> an act two already. As the town deals with the fallout of the meat fall, the meat bandits swoop in to cause trouble. <laughs> meat bandit leader. <laughs> You're also busy dealing with your meat problem. You won't even notice us stealing everything you've got. Act two, scene two. <laughs> As the meat bandits wreak havoc on the town, Jack and Samantha team up to stop them. Jack loading his gun. Let's give these meatheads a taste of justice. Meatheads. Samantha cracking her whip. (laughs) You got it, cowboy. Time to show who's boss. Act three, scene one. As the battle rages on, a mysterious figure appears on the horizon Merlin (laughs) stroking his beard (laughs) fear not good people of Kentucky I Merlin have come to aid you in your time of need (laughs) through the mad scene act three (laughs) act three act three scene two with Merlin's help Jack and Samantha defeat the meat bandits and save the town Jack shaking Merlin's hand I don't know how you did it, old man, <laughs> but we couldn't have done it without you. Merlin, smiling mysteriously. Magic, my dear boy, just a little bit of magic. Act 4, Scene 1. As the town reflects on the strange events of the meatfall and the battle with the meat bandits, they, re- <laughs> they realize that they have, been <laughs> they have been blessed by the presence of Merlin. Mayor Phillips addressing the crowd, My fellow citizens! We have been in a bit of a pickle, but we, but we can always count on our town to rise to the challenge, and we can count on Merlin to provide the magic. Uh, old Man Wilson, who the hell's Old Man Wilson? <laughs> <laughs> Tipping his hat. <laughs> Y'all sure put up a good fight. I reckon this town's gonna be just fine. <laughs> Act 4, Scene 2. As Jack and Samantha ride off to the sunset, Merlin smiles knowingly, knowing that he has once again helped save the day. Merlin to himself. Ah, mysteries of the universe and the power of meat. Who knew? Who knew? I forgot his voice. Who 
trying to create such a spectacle. <laughs> the, the mysteries of the universe and the power of meat combined. <laughs> the credits roll as the as the meat bandits are taken away in handcuffs, and the townsfolk cheer, grateful for another day in the life of the strange, <laughs> wonderful town of Kentucky. The town of Kentucky. <laughs> 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 the goddamn meat bandits. What do you think, Angel? Meatfall. Uh, it was. It had everything a movie needed, you know, emotion, drama, love, romance, uh, Merlin. action, Merlin, <laughs> just coming in out of nowhere and saying, I got magic. <laughs> I mean, what a like weird scenario where there's meat falling and there's already the meat bandits. Like they already exist in this world, the meat bandits. <laughs> they were they were biding their time. They knew that one day meat was gonna fall from the sky, and they said, "This is it, boys. Now we rise." This is what we've been planning for. And then, lo and behold, Merlin shows up and ruins it. They didn't think about Merlin. They, <laughs> they did not they plan, plan for this. For so the next one, this next story, it's a little bit longer, more detailed, but. The next one is the pinnacle, the pinnacle of AI creation. The only thing it was prompted to do was write an action comedy about the Kentucky meat shower of 1876. So, fade in. Exterior, Kentucky farmhouse, day. A group of farmers are busy working in the fields when suddenly they hear a loud, piercing scream. They turn around to see a cow falling from the sky, crashing to the ground right in front of them. Farmer one. What in the blazes? <laughs> Farmer 2. I've never seen anything like this. As they start to investigate the strange occurrence, more meat starts raining down from the sky. The farmers are now in complete shock as, as they try to dodge the falling meat. Farmer 3. This is crazy. We gotta get out of here. <laughs> A young child? <laughs> child labor farmer? <laughs> Suddenly they hear... Suddenly, they hear a loud growling sound and turn to see a group of strange creatures looking like a cross between a pig. <laughs> a cross between a pig and a human attacking them. It's the pig people. Farmer one. What in the name of all that's holy are those things? Farmer two. I don't know, but we gotta fight back. The farmers grab their pitchforks and start fighting the creatures. The fight is intense and chaotic, with me with meat falling from the sky and creatures attacking from all sides. Farmer three, this is like something out of a horror movie. How's he know what that is? is <laughs> Farmer one, uh, this is you. Farmer one, horror movie. This is Kentucky, son. This is just another day. Just as they think they've defeated the creatures, <laughs> more start to emerge from the sky. Why are the pig people coming from the sky? The <laughs> when pigs fly, the farmers are outnumbered and outmatched. <laughs> but just when things seem dire, a group of cowboys <laughs> ride in, guns blazing. Cowboy one, what in darnation is going on here? <laughs> A farmer too. We don't know. Meat's raining from the sky, and these these creatures are attacking us. Cowboy too. Well, we're here to help. Let's show them what we're made of. 
the cowboys and farmers join forces to start fighting back. It's an epic battle with cowboys shooting their guns and farmers swinging their pitchforks. Just, who swings a pitchfork? Just when it seems like the battle is won, the sky suddenly clears up and the creatures disappear as quickly as they appeared. Farmer one. Well, I'll be damned. <laughs> I've heard of the Kentucky Meat Shower of 1876, but I never thought I'd see it with my own eyes. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Oh, Cowboy one. Kentucky Meat Shower of 1876. What the hell are you talking about? Farmer one. It's a legend, son. <laughs> a, a legend about meat falling from the sky. Cowboy two. Well, I don't know about no legends, but I do know one thing. That was one heck of a fight. It sounds Farmer like he three. has one of those, those things on his throat that <laughs> make him talk. You said it! I'm just glad we made it out alive! Eight-year-old boy. The farmers and cowboys start to head, head back to their homes. The cowboys live here. They head back to their homes, still trying to make sense of what just happened. As they leave, we see a strange figure watching them from the distance. A glint of malevolence in its eyes. Oh no. Fade out. That's the end of Act 1. Fade in. Exterior Kentucky woods. Day. The farmers and cowboys are making their way back to their homes, still rearing from the events of the Kentucky meat shower. Meanwhile, the mysterious figure from before is stalking them from the shadows. We see glimpses of it from time to time always just out of sight cowboy one i don't like the feeling of being followed farmer one me neither we gotta be careful the group quickens their pace but the figure continues to follow them suddenly it jumps out from the shadows revealing itself to be a grotesque mutilated version of a pig cowboy two what in the hell is that <laughs> he's, he's not very surprised <laughs> <laughs> Disappointed. <laughs> the creature attacks the group, and a new battle ensues. The cowboys and farmers are quickly overwhelmed, but just when it all seems like it is all lost, a new hero arrives on the scene. Oh, off screen, hero, off screen. <laughs> Hold on, folks. I'm here to help. <laughs> the camera pans to reveal. A mysterious figure in a long coat, wielding a pair of guns. It's the hero of the story. A witty and charming gunslinger named Jack. Jack? Sorry I'm late. Traffic was a bear. How is he stuck in traffic? The group is stunned. But they quickly recover and start fighting back with renewed vigor. With Jack's help, they manage to defeat the pig creature and drive it away. Farmer 2. Who are you, stranger? Jack. The name's Jack. Jack Steele. And let me tell you, folks, it's a pleasure to meet you. Cowboy 1. Well, I'll be sure. <clears throat> well, well, we're sure. <clears throat> well, all my characters sound the same now. I don't know who's who. Well, yeah, we're sure glad you showed up when you did. You could, We could have been in real trouble. Jack, hey, it's all in a day's work for a hero like me. <laughs> See, like Bill Clinton. 
<laughs> as they start to make their way back home once again, Jack tells the tells the group about his mission to rid the world of these mutant creatures, which he calls pigmen. Jack, these pigmen are popping up all over the place. It's my job to hunt them down and stop them before they hurt anyone else. Farmer one, well, we're sure glad to have you on our side. Cowboy two, you're darn right. With a guy like you around, we might just stand a chance. The group continues their journey, with Jack leading the way. But as they as they make their way deeper into the woods, they come across an even more sinister threat. <laughs> a group of pigmen, led by the menacing figure known as the Butcher. Jack. Well, well, well. Looks like we've got some more trouble on our hands. The butcher and his pigmen attack the group, and a massive battle ensues. It's like the fourth battle. It's a brutal fight, with the group barely managing to hold on against the overwhelming force of the pigmen. But just when it seems all is lost, Jack has an idea. Jack, I've got a plan, but I'm going to need your help. Farmer 2. Uh, which one was Farmer 2 again? <laughs> Is that the first one? <laughs> I'm losing it. Uh, what do you need us to do? <laughs> Jack, I need you to crane at the first. Keep the pigmen occupied while I sneak up on the butcher. <laughs> the groom. <the> <clears throat> The group agrees, and they launch a daring diversionary attack. While the pigmen are distracted, Jack sneaks up on the butcher and engages him in one-on-one -on -one battle. It's a fierce and brutal fight, with Jack and the butcher trading blows back and forth. But just when it seems like the butcher has the upper hand, Jack manages to land a lucky shot, taking him down for good. Fade in. Exterior Kentucky Woods day <laughs> with the butcher defeated the group of farmers and cowboys breathe a sigh of relief jack Steele, their savior stands tall and triumphant but as they gather around him jack begins to act strangely farmer one what's wrong jack you seem a bit off jack it's nothing just just a bit winded is all cowboy two you sure you're okay Jack, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. J just need a minute to catch my breath. As Jack catches his breath, the group begins to notice something odd about him. His eyes seem to be changing, his skin becoming more pig-like by the second. Cowboy one. <laughs> what the hell is going on with you, Jack? <laughs> Jack. Uh, I don't know. It's like something inside of me is changing. Farmer 2. <laughs> You're one of them, aren't you? A pig man? <laughs> the group looks at Jack with suspicion and fear. Jack hangs his head in shame. <laughs> Jack, uh, I didn't want to tell you. I didn't want to scare you away. <laughs> Cowboy 2. Scare us away. You just killed a bunch of those things. What's going on here, Jack? Jack, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for this to happen. <laughs> Farmer 1. Well, how do we know you're not going to turn on us? Jack, 
I won't. I swear it. I've been fighting against my own kind for years. I don't want to be like them. <laughs> the group looks at Jack with uncertainty. But eventually, <laughs> they decide to trust him. Cowboy what? Okay, Jack. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt for now. Jack, thank you. I won't let you down. The group begins to make their way to their homes with Jack walking at the back of the pack, his head hung low. As they walk, Jack hears the whisper of fear and uncertainty from the, vo- from the others. He knows he's lost their trust, and he doesn't blame them. Jack, voiceover. I thought I could keep it hidden forever. But now they know the truth. I'm not sure I can face them after this. The group reaches the edge of the woods, and Jack prepares to say his goodbyes. He knows that he can never be the one. He can never be one of them. Not truly. Jack, I'll be moving on now. You don't need me. Cowboy 2. You sure about that? We could use a hero like you around here. Jack. I'm not a hero. I'm a monster. With that, Jack turns and walks away, disappearing into the woods once again. The group watches him go, feeling a mix of sadness and fear. Farmer one, what are we going to do now? Cowboy one, I don't know, but one thing's for sure. (laughs) We'll never forget the name. Jack Steele. <laughs> the group continues on their way, but Jack Steele's legacy lives on. He may have been a pig man, but he was also a hero, and that's a legacy that will never be forgotten. Fade to black. Fade in. Exterior Kentucky Farm Day. Weeks have passed since Jack Steele left the farmers and cowboys to wander on his own. But as the sun sets on a quiet Kentucky farm, a familiar figure emerges from the shadows. (laughs) It's the butcher. (laughs) Back from the dead. The farmers and cowboys caught off guard and are caught off guard and several of them are killed in the ensuing chaos. The survivors band together. Determined to take down the butcher once and for all. Farmer one, we need Jack Steele. He's the only one who can stop this thing. Cowboy two, but where is he? He's been gone for weeks. Just as they're about to give up hope, Jack Steele emerges from the woods, his pig-like features more pronounced than ever. Jack, I'm sorry I left. I thought I was doing the right thing. Cowboy one. No time for apologies now, Jack. The butcher is back. Jack, I see that. <laughs> what a response. As the butcher charges towards them, Jack stands his ground. He knows that this is his chance to redeem himself, to prove that he can be a hero despite his pig like nature. The battle is fierce, with both sides taking heavy losses. But as the sun rises over the Kentucky hills, Jack finds himself face to face with the butcher. Jack, this ends now. (laughs) (laughs) The butcher charges at Jack, but this time 
Jack is ready. Using the power of the pigmen within him, he unleashes a devastating attack, sending the butcher flying. The butcher gets back up, his wounds healing as he does. <laughs> he self-heals. Oh my God. But Jack doesn't give up. He continues to attack. His pig-like features becoming more and pronounced with each passing moment. In the final burst of energy, Jack delivers a crushing blow to the butcher, sending him flying into a nearby tree. The butcher slumps to the ground, defeated once and for all. The farmers and cowboys look on in amazement as Jack stands victorious. Despite his pig-like nature, he has proven himself to be a hero. Jack. I'm sorry for what I am, but I promise to use my powers for good from now on. He already was. Did he not? (laughs) The farmers and cowboys nod in agreement, accepting Jack for who he is. They may have lost several of their own in battle, but they they know that they've gained a hero in Jack Steele. Fade to black. Fade in. Exterior, exterior Kentucky Farm Day. With the butcher defeated, the farmers and cowboys begin the long process of rebuilding their community. Jack Steele says with them, stays with them, using his pig-like powers to help with the heavy lifting. As the days turn into weeks, Jack begins to notice something strange. Whenever he's alone, he hears a faint voice in his head urging him to use his powers for more (laughs) nefarious purposes. Oh my god. At first, Jack brushes it off as his own imagination, but as the voices grow stronger, he begins to worry that there may be more to his pig-like nature than he realized. Jack to himself. What's happening to me? Suddenly, the ground shakes beneath Jack's feet. A figure emerges from the earth, its features obscured by a cloak. Mysterious figure. Welcome, Jack Steele. <laughs> I've been watching you. Jack, who, who are you? Mysterious figure. I am the one who created you. You are not just a pig man, Jack. You're something much more powerful. Jack, what do you mean? Mysterious figure. I mean that your, your powers are not just physical. They're mental as well. You have the ability to control the minds of others. <laughs> Jack is stunned by his this revelation. He had no idea his powers were so vast. Jack, what do you want from me? Mysterious figure. I want you to join me. Together we can rule this land using our powers to bend the will of others to our own. Jack considers this for a moment, but ultimately decides that he cannot betray the farmers and cowboys who have accepted him for who he is. Jack, I can't do that. I have to stay here and protect the people who have become my family. Mysterious figure. Very well. But mark my words, Jack Steele. You may have defeated the butcher, but there are others who will come for you. And when they do, you'll have to make a choice. Join them or die. (laughs) With that, the mysterious figure disappears back into the earth. Jack is left alone, unsure of what the future holds. Fade to black. Oh my goodness. That was... I... I'm speechless. (laughs) First of all... Twists and turns. First of all, 
the biggest thing is the pigmen thing. The whole the whole situation. <laughs> I talked about this back in season one about the pig people, and here we are with an AI talking about pig Comple- people. Completely one hundred percent unprompted added pig people <laughs> and named it the butcher. <laughs> the butcher. There's so much going on in this play, movie, whatever you want to call it. Jack Steele. Jack hero. Steele. He's the hero that we need now. I I feel like Jack Steele is something that needs to be made into a comic or something. And for whatever <clears throat> reason, some bizarre reason, the AI decided that in both stories, there had to be cowboys a part of the Kentucky meat shower. It demanded cowboys be involved. I guess I guess uh, in eight, in 1876, there's cowboys, and, and that's something I didn't really highlight in my... <laughs> in your reference to 1876? Yes. <laughs> cowboys are just everywhere. You look left or look right, cowboys. I mean, they just come in, guns blazing. <laughs> Saving the day. Join your, sta- your town. They just become your friends and family. They just live there suddenly. <laughs> You got the mysterious figure coming out of the ground. <laughs> I, it's just—it's funny because it just kept escalating. It's like, oh, the meat's falling from the sky, and then there's pig people come from the sky. <laughs> first, now it, the... first, it was a cow. <laughs> the cow—a cow fell from the sky. What is? And then, and then there's the butcher pig person control, and then Jack Steele comes along, and then Jack Steele's also a pig person. Like, what is this? <laughs> It's part pig man, but slowly becoming more pig-like. <laughs> but he retains his humanity. And he can control minds, apparently. It's revealed. <laughs> he, he leveled up power. at the end. <laughs> he got stronger, but now he can manipulate people, too. Uh, man, I, I want to be Jack Steele. <laughs> I want to go on his adventures. And... And those voices, man, I could not keep up with them. <laughs> Far too many characters in that story. Losing track of what, who did what. <laughs> I think somewhere along the way, we may have switched some characters to it. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so let's, let's jump in. End this meat shower once and for all. The rubric of power. The... <clears throat> Strange event version. I don't remember what this freak is called. Yeah, it, it had a special name. I don't know. It's not special anymore. Lost in the annals of time. Mm-hmm. The first category in their shoes. How scary would it be to be in the Kentucky meat shower of 1876? I mean, this 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 whole thing was very easy for me. I, this is not scary at all. <laughs> I mean, maybe if I was Mrs. Uh, Crouch, Croucher, I don't remember Crouch. her name. Yeah. I was thinking like her, like, oh, this is my husband and my son <laughs> coming back to me in pieces. <laughs> Maybe I'd be a little scared. Well, she was the only one that experienced it, and Alan, the the grandson, saw thought saw it was snowing, snow. so it didn't affect him. Maybe, maybe she saw meat, but he saw snow. Maybe it was a different thing. Whoever uh, witnessed it. <laughs> Anyway, throw, it, throw in a Native American, they wouldn't have seen anything. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reference. Yeah, they, they're apparently not they're familiar with anything. Trains? Mm-hmm. What's that? Ships? Hmm? Yeah, this is a one. I went a little bit different. I went with a, a 2.11 for the 
for adequate just because I'm trying to be I'm trying to become Mrs. Crouch here and just <laughs> witness meat falling from the sky with a westernly a slight westernly wind and I I would be scared if meat fell on top of me uh for 2 minutes 2 minutes of meat <laughs> descending from the sky I would think my god the pig people are here so it was adequate for how scary it would be how about then believability is it is it too outlandish? I think it is. Uh, I think it is believable. Uh, I don't think it's like so believable. Like, yeah, it definitely happened exactly how they explain uh, how they said. But yeah, I mean, there's meat. People found meat. There's p- people p- were putting it in their mouths. Like, <laughs> plain and simple. Weeks later, even <laughs> brown mucus. Like, anyway, yeah, it's adequate. I give it a two. I went a little bit higher. I went with a three just because there are a lot of elements here that come into play. The the amount of meat, it wasn't it wasn't an overabundance of meat. It wasn't an obscene amount of meat. It was two packs worth of meat. Mm-hmm. Uh so it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like it was an entire <laughs> farmer's market of meat fell upon the crouch farm. And then it wasn't like too few that it would like make no sense to even report it, even occurred. But I also found some other things in uh, in newspapers from the old days that reference meat showers. So there is a, a newspaper that I found. I know it's near and dear to your heart, Angel. The South Carolina Port Royal Standard and Commercial Newspaper <laughs> on May. It's a good one. May 11th, 1876. You're always going on about that the, the font that they use. You said it was very pleasing to you. I disagree. But that's neither here nor there. Just like... Olympia Springs and on their May 11th 1876 edition they were they were desperate for more meat showers they reported a shower of worms in Norway liking it to the event in likening it to the event in Kentucky it details an event where after a violent storm a large number of worms were found crawling over the snow two months after the uh, March Kentucky shower they are reporting now on a shower of worms so another instance of it occurring we have a precursor event the september 1st 1869 edition of the sun from new york states extravagant stories have been told of a meat shower at los nietos in los angeles county california on the first last it is now said that only 200 square feet showed traces of it Old Californians accounted by saying that it was the vultures, having gorged themselves and risen high in the air, eject what they have eaten from their stomachs, either from sickness or in battle with the eagles. They're fighting eagles up there and just puking out meat. So we have 1869, what, eight years prior to the Kentucky incident, already have coined a meat shower and the old Californians are like, yeah, that happens all the time. Another one I found was an April 25th, 1877 edition of the National Republican from Washington, D.C., where it quotes a London newspaper that states, possibly incited to supreme endeavor by stories from American uh, from America about meat showers and sea serpents, tells the following. A perfect, perfect reference for our show. 
Meet, meet showers and sea serpents. One <laughs> night last week, a party were returning from Dudley to Lower Gurnall when they were alarmed by the spectacle of a host of snakes and lizards advancing along the road, which literally swarmed, swarmed with them for a distance of more than 10 yards. It is supposed, it is supposed that they came from the rough, part of which was, uh, has been on fire for years, owing to old colliery workings being there and that the heat had at last become so unendable that both snakes and lizards have been compelled to retreat and find a new home. So we have an instance of colliery workings are in relation to coal. A coal fire that won't end up, that won't stop burning is... <laughs> is forcing lizards and snakes out of the area, and they started chasing these people down the road. And the last one I found reference to was June 25th, 1877. The New York Tribune states, These meat showers, now people know exactly what they are. They had one of them in Franklin, Tennessee the other day, and a scientific man put a bit of a bit of the meat, in quotes, under a microscope and found it to be an organism, a loricated infusoria. The scientific man's theory is that they came from decaying heaps of kelp in the Gulf of Mexico so that they weren't even meat. It was kelp is what this guy says for the the Tennessee incident a year later. So it's happening. We just don't know about it. Meat is falling from the sky or sea kelp. I like this scientific man. (laughs) A scientific man (laughs) used a microscope. It's just a dude who has a microscope. (laughs) He says, give me that stuff. Let me put it here. Yep. So this I, looks I, like, and he makes something up. I, <laughs> it's I, kelp. <laughs> I know, it's kelp. In, in Furiosia. I gave it a, a three in believability. It's believable. Not too outlandish. How about the lore and mystique of Kentucky Meat Shower? The lore and mystique of We've added Kentucky. To what? We've added to the lore with our plays. <laughs> yes, we have. We've bumped it up a few points. Or maybe oh, decimal no. points. <laughs> that reminds me, I have to bump up one of my scores <laughs> to become to shed myself of my idiot slops. <laughs> you already went through three of them, so you only mm-hmm. have two left. <laughs> the, the 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 oh, sorry, two of them. The lore mystique. Um, there's not a lot. This event happened, and if you want to lump in all those other events where things came from the sky. Right, but as you as you said, the scientific man said it was kelp. So, can we really lump them in together with the same event that happened in mm-hmm. Kentucky? So, if we just look at the Kentucky one, it's, it's some meat fell from the sky, possibly regurgitated by a vulture, possibly somebody stuck a dynamite on a in a goat. That's that's one of the theories <laughs> I read. It blew it up. <laughs> yeah. Either way, it's it doesn't really have anything else to go on. I haven't. I'm surprised. I haven't seen any alien theories or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this event just wasn't popular enough for people to to latch onto. I gave the lore and mystique a uh, 1.3. Okay, not bad. Well, no, it is bad. <laughs> the Kentucky Meat Shower. <laughs> I better than a one. <laughs> I gave it a a, a 2.75, mainly because of the the idea that. That people were so like enamored by it they they ate the meat they ate the meat <laughs> they attempted to eat the meat and then there is also this uh other stuff going on that they were putting the meat in bottles and like giving it to different people so that the, so it could they could have the meat later on 
And then there was the, the reporter, as he was talking about, it, he talked to one guy and said, I gave the meat to so-and-so. And then he went to go talk to that guy and he's like, I didn't get the meat. So there's, there's controversy about who has the meat. This guy was mad. Where's my, where's my, sh- my share? Henry Clay is by like proxy associated with it by having owned the area prior before. And again, he looks like the Phantom. So, <laughs> I yeah, uh, I'm happy with the 2.75 of the Lord Mystique for the meat shower. How about then the danger level? Did lots of people die? Maybe. I mean, maybe one of them got sick from eating the dog. Maybe just putting it in his mouth. Yeah, the dog got sick. <laughs> I think the danger level was pretty. Again, I give it a one. Mm-hmm. Very low. I was actually at a zero, but to become a better person. I am going to increase this one from a zero to a one. My reasoning here is that it. I think it is a little bit dangerous to put expelled vulture meat into your mouth and try to eat it, uh, especially when some of it has, one has milky white shit coming out of it, the other one has brown <laughs> mucus coming out of it a week later. So, no thank you. I'll give it a one for danger. And finally, the impact on pop culture. I don't think I recall ever hearing about this no. <laughs> or seen any Anything. references to this in pop culture at all. Um, yeah, I give it a one. Yeah, <laughs> I have nothing else to add. <laughs> Only thing I can think of is the Sunny with the chance of meatballs. Yeah, and maybe pretty, being related. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I feel like the, the, whoever wrote it probably just didn't even thing. make the connection. <laughs> so I'll give it that. I. I give it a score of a 1.67 for impact on pop culture. Uh, it's impacted us now because of the play. I mean, those are amazing. Yeah, spread spread those plays around. What is your total? Total is uh, 6.3. And I'm at a 10.53. Oh, wow. <laughs> that gives the Kentucky Meat Shower of 1876 an 8.415 score. Wow. 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 Where does it sit against other events? Events. Events. It is the lowest scoring event we have, I believe. Kentucky Meat Shower, you've just been cracked. Like (laughs) the lady that had the whip in the the story. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, curiosities, you would like to run over to a place that can possibly change your life maybe place known as twitter now i know i know you may be thinking to yourself what could a social media platform possibly do for me but let me tell you twitter is more than just a platform to share your thoughts and pictures with the world it's a place where you can connect with others learn new things and even change the world Think about it. That's your inspiration. (laughs) Think about it. Every day, people are using Twitter to spread their messages and ideas to a global audience. From activists fighting for social justice to entrepreneurs building successful businesses. Twitter has become an essential tool for anyone looking to make a difference, even though it's falling apart and almost crumbling. But why not join them anyway? If you haven't, why not take the leap and start tweeting at us, sharing your thoughts and ideas with the world? 
you never know what kind of impact you might have, what kind of connections you might make, or what kind of opportunities may come your way. But I understand that putting yourself out there can can be a little scary. It can be intimidating to share your voice and your perspective with others. But remember, every great accomplishment starts <laughs> with a single step. And every great tweet starts with a single idea. Not a great idea. Any idea, really. So let's take that first step together. <laughs> let's join the millions of people already on Twitter and let our voices be heard. Let's tweet at us. <laughs> I keep saying that. Cracking uh, curios. <laughs> Share our ideas with the world and make a difference one tweet at a time to us <laughs> remember you are capable of great things you have a unique perspective and a valuable voice don't be afraid to share it and most importantly don't be afraid to join us on twitter we're waiting for you ready to hear what you have to say so let's get tweeting at Cracking Curios, make those hashtags sing and fly. Include hashtag Crack Cryptids and maybe hashtag Kentucky Meat Shower. Because don't you want to be showered with meat at some point in your life? Or praise? Now, I could go on and on about Twitter, but there's also Instagram. Now, Instagram, if you think Twitter can change your life like I just told you, Instagram can make you happier by looking at all the pictures that people post of them being happy. Now, you might think, well, hey, what if I'm the opposite? I get madder and sadder when I see other people being happy. That's okay because there is a place for you on Instagram as well. There are people, you have to find them, of course, that are po posting things that bring down others. And in turn, lift you up because it makes you feel a little better about yourself. Because, hey, we're laughing at this one dude. Ha ha ha. Let's all laugh together. But we're not about that. I, I, I'm straying from the topic here. You want to go on Instagram and you want to find us so we can continue uplifting you just like we did on Twitter. And guess what? In Instagram, you can do your hashtags there as well. It's glorious. Write a comment under one of our pictures. Say something nice and kind and you know what else you can write a long form letter to our email that's cracking cryptids and curios at gmail.com now i may have mentioned our handle on twitter i may have mentioned our email address but did i mention our instagram handle no because i feel that i've inspired you enough that you know how to find it on your own but even if you don't it's at cracking cryptids it's very simple guys and then, after you've done all that, tell all your friends about us. Listen to the voices in your head, that's us, telling you to tell your friends about this amazing podcast, Cracking Cryptids and Curios. And you can find this at any platform. We are hosted everywhere. And if, we do, if you don't find us on that platform, then leave them because they're no good and find a good one. And that's all I have to say. I'm going to have to edit like 40 minutes of that out. <laughs> it's just going to be go to Twitter and that's it. <laughs>
what do you usually say? And as I always say, as I as always, and oh. then I say something. As always, ciao to you later. <laughs> God. This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. Well, well, well. Looks like we've got some more trouble on our hands.